This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And listening to Chris and Lester to Life Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts. Are you ready? I'm saying, Are you ready? Good afternoon, good night, goodbye, good evening, good day, good morning, hello, wherever you are in the world, welcome along. Uh, I must admit, I do feel a little bit like a Norwich City cast-off in this outfit, but look, it arrived today, so I thought, why not put it on? How are you doing? Well, 
I've got to be honest with you. I know we won. But I'm a tad peed off. If they could have just stopped that second goal going in, I would have got three points in the prediction league. You know, Leicester, you can never trust them. You can never trust them. Uh, but look, I want to let you know, Monday night, obviously, we're going to have the match. So there's going to be no uh, debate show. And then you've got Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day for the following two Mondays. Best thing to do is do what it says there uh, below, which is subscribe. Uh, click that notification bell. And then you will never miss a show because the shows are literally going to be all over the place. Um, uh, so that's the best thing to do. But welcome along. This is LTID TV from Leicester Till I Die. Thank you for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via your favorite podcast platform. This one is for Bradley. He did not want to miss out on doing the review show because, as it said right at the start, it looks like we've got a plan B. More of that to come, I'm sure, from Brad. And as I say, it is the review show. Good afternoon, sir. I nearly said evening then. I managed to control myself. It's all right. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. Goodbye and all that jazz. How are you doing, mate? Welcome to part one of the show. I know. Can't wait for part two. Stay tuned for that advert break we're going to do because uh, Chris is just padding the view count, folks. That's why he did it. He, to he just told me backstage it was all part of his Christmas ruse to get more people, lovely people like you in watching and it worked a treat for him. It was a good game to have two parts too, weren't it? Shame it cost you two points in the predictions league and helped me keep getting more and more and more and more. Alright, you still gloat when you've taken I'm over. too smug, that's why I'm off camera, mate. I'm, it's not the camera issues, I'm just so smug. I don't think YouTube would it'd break YouTube violations being this smug. Would it? You, you, are, you, yeah. are, you are doing a Jeremy Clarkson, are you? I, I, I most certainly it's am. It's difficult not to look smug at this point. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I've topped it. I'm still topping a total of every other challenge, but a whopping 21 points and four correct results from me. So no, my luck, Doug's got eight correct results, and that's all he's done, and he's still got more points than me. But still, I'll take it. I will take it as it is, mate. I don't know what you've got, because I've thrown my notepad away, because it was it was full, so I'm on a new notepad here. So um... uh, he's, he's thrown it away for the shame of how he <laughs> had a miserable Wednesday, didn't you, Chris? You had a miserable Wednesday. Uh, look, mate, I can can dig it out the rubbish because you know I know what your mathematics are like. <laughs> but uh, look, that is very true. Look at that there at the top there. We have a plan B. Uh, three points is three points. All right, you know, so it would have been nice for me to get three points in the prediction league, but um, a win is a win. And I've got to say, it wasn't so long ago when we would have conceded an equaliser. No, very true. Uh, I mean, last season we'd have been going, oh God, 3-1, you know, 3-2, here comes the comeback, they're going to win this 4-3, we were doing that badly. Uh, in fact, we'd have probably still been in a state of shock that we scored three goals in one game, because yeah. we went through a spell last season where I think we had one shot on target over, like, course of two and a half games or something like that. So, it's a refreshing sight to see, and I said it last night, Chris, 
how many hoodoos have we had break on us and it's felt unfortunate? You know, we had our first defeat, it was to Hull. Our first away loss was, our uh, first points dropped away was at Middlesbrough, yeah, Middlesbrough and then Sheffield was the first draw of the season. We finally conceded two goals, Chris. The first time we've done it all season, and we win. So we got a we got a great result all round in the end. For we me, did. we did. And uh, look, there it is, three two up in the uh, up in the top there. Um, very very quickly, and again, I've, my notes are on my old pad. I've had the cleaner in today. How posh is that? Eh? I've got the cleaner. Um, she's coming today. She's emptied my bins. Um, that's not a euphemism for anything else. Before anybody says uh, says that it is, um, went one nil down. I, I wasn't. I was. I was disappointed because I do feel like we're going to work. You know, win every game five or six nil. Uh, but we went a goal down after 10 minutes, and that up until the last four or five minutes of injury time, that was as much as you know, the last time I think that Millwall had been on top. Yeah, it was. And, and and to be fair to them, I mean, you know me, Chris, every video available, I go and watch it. I listen to, to Enzo, uh, his match, um, to get the thing, and to be fair to them. Again, a moment where Lesser didn't blink because even he admitted they they'd planned for for Millwall to be hungry and aggressive the way they had been recently under this manager. Who, if you're talking having bad manager bounces, he's definitely one of them. He won his opening game with Sheffield Wednesday and lost four, now five on the trot. Um, so I think Millwall's passive style really caught Leicester off guard for a little bit and that's what incurred the change because you're right Chris for them 10-15 minutes whilst no team was really doing anything you you, you would say Millwall probably just about deserved to get the noses in front at that point. Yes I think they did we weren't that good at, in those first 10 minutes is your camera working by the way mate or? Uh, I'm just on settings I'm just about to give it a test I'm hoping it's going to come on in an, in in a few minutes I'm just getting it I'm just getting myself sat uh so, yeah and then I I thought from sort of about the 20 25 minute mark <laughs> hello hello there he is um video Kate you're looking rough um also <laughs> oh that's mean to Kate don't don't degrade her like that <laughs> but no but from about the 20 25th minute onwards um, I kind of thought we were on top in that that second in that first half, and then all right, half time came along. One bam, thank you, ma'am. Wow, we did what we did against Plymouth, and we usually us conceding, isn't it? Just after half time. Yeah, it's been a bit of a trend this season, but yeah, it was good to see. Like I said, it took it took them um, a couple of minutes to kind of figure it out, and then once they kind of sussed out, okay, Millwall aren't going to be a side that go at us like they have done every other team. Um, we 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 adjusted, and um, we'll talk more about it in depth uh, at, at, when it comes to my part of the show. The tactical analysis genius, the uh, the entrepreneuring uh, tactical magician that I am, will explain it uh, uh, as best I can. But that really, really made a difference. And I think they, I think without changing the shape, Enzo Enzo got that emphasis on board late in the second half. You know, the, the shape change really came in um, in that half-time interval, you know, and, and the blitz effect was richly rewarded off it. 
But in that last 20 odd minutes, 25 minutes of the second half, if you will, we did manage to be a bit more attack in front and kind of showed like a, almost a trailer to what was coming from Millwall. And then they did not heed the warning. And I, I, I agree with what Kate said last night as she joined us at the post-match. Uh, 3-2 does really flatter them, especially now I've seen more extended highlights from both Leicester, EFL, and even the Millwall one or two that admitted the scoreline flattered them. So I'm right, very happy well, with the performance. I had a Millwall fan in last night and I banned him uh, because he was coming on saying, oh, you couldn't score in a, uh, in, in, in a ladies of the night um, hotel. Um that said, that you know that that's where most you'll find most Millwall fans. We won't find them in Millwall because the women are so ugly down there. But um, <laughs> I wish I hadn't thrown him out uh, because we absolutely pulverised them. I mean, look, big Yannick, big great Dane. I mean, he was at fault possibly. For, well, he wasn't at fault for the first goal, but his attempted um, Ronaldinho type pass across the field uh, caused the problem in the first place. It just got worse after that. But he made up for that at the start of the second half with an absolutely amazing goal. Yeah, I mean, his shirt takes more credit than he does. But hey, he got himself in the right area. He scored it. Uh, just Justice for him was given there in, in a sense that it was originally an own goal, but BBC and then eventually LCFC corrected it. It was a was his final touch. It was going goalwards, which does debate whether the third goal will get on to his Ricardos or Wolves. But uh, um, I was uh, going to ask. I was going to ask that. Well, um, yeah. Well, we'll. well I'll, I'll give you my answer when we get there. But uh, yeah, it got us off to the perfect start. I mean, to be fair. To be fair, we've said this about Hamadson passing it straight into Winks or Ricardo and then them getting muddled off the ball mm. uh, and, and or Hamadson potentially being so far out. Eventually, he's going to get beaten by a, a beautiful chip ball over yeah. the top of him. Vestergaard's yeah. been playing them passes all season and they've looked glorious, but you always get the feel if he got one wrong or didn't get enough on it like he didn't against Millwall... It could potentially cost us. And to be honest with you, the ball in the box deserves more credit than it's getting. It's a fantastic yeah, ball. He's in between the two defenders and he rises inch perfectly to meet the ball. There's not a lot anyone can do to stop that going in the back of the net, I'm afraid. This is Bradshaw's um, So I do goal. think... Pardon? You mean Bradshaw's goal for... for... No yeah, way. yeah, yeah. The goal that came from from Vestergaard's yeah, yeah. clearance. Uh, yeah. So whilst whilst you could say, oh, his clearance led to the goal, you've got to give credit to the cross and the, and the finish. Yeah, it's a deft yeah, header and it's a good finish. More mad if we'd have lost one nil, and that was the goal. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course we would. Look, yeah. Second half, we came out all guns blazing. Because they hi to Nassim TV. Not been. It's been a while, mate. How are you, Nate's in. Good morning to you, Nate, because it was probably his morning over there in the good old US of A. Troops is in. Hello. And the bronze plumber. Typical bloody plumber. Late as always. I've been waiting for... I've been waiting two weeks for you, Bronzy. Where have you been? <laughs> you know what plumbers are like. Um, anyway, uh, joking, Bronzy. Joking. Uh, welcome back. Um, yeah, Vestergaard. Look, okay, it wasn't... I mean, to be honest with you, neither of his, goal, neither of his goals have been... Up for going to be up for goal of the season, let's be honest. But no, but they don't need to, no, exactly, exactly. And you know, he's a big, he's over six foot, six foot seven, is it something like that? What you've got to do is put him in the box and let him cause hassle, and mistakes will happen. And basically, that that's what he did. 
yeah, uh, you know, we've had, we've had a few over our times. Uh, I'm going to say the the least memorable first and save the better to last. But to make comparisons to how he muscles himself in the box and uses his heart to his advantage, uh, Johnny Evans. Um, yeah, yeah, that's why I said his name first. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Maguire. Yeah. Hooth uh, was the more yeah. notable. And I, I, I would include Wes Morgan in there uh, because in the championship and in that one particular season, he got a few headed goals. But Hoof was more than Morgan. I think Hoof is the best comparison to make because he's just a menace. He doesn't, you know, he's a centre-back. Am I want him to score a half volley on the edge of the box? No, I couldn't give a rat's ass unless it's Christian Fuchs and I'll probably expect it from him. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? Like centre-backs, Matt Elliott, Walsh, you know, that yeah. that's where they earn their extra, don't they? You know, they do the job at the back well, and if they can chip him with a few goals throughout the season, happy days. I don't care if it comes off his left butt cheek, to be no, honest with you. If he no. gets on the score sheet, he's in the right place to hit, hit contact on the ball. Talking about coming off your left butt cheek, uh, none of the goals were were sort of classics, really, were the top corner bullet not touching anybody going in. Dakers, I think, came off his left bollock. Well, probably his stomach, in fairness. But, you know, I don't think he could, I don't think he could decide and I've looked at it many times. I don't think it, does he head it? Does he kick it? I don't think he knows what to do. And he says, oh, I'm just going to b- body it in. I'll put my body through it and take it into the goal. Who cares? Yeah. And again, it's actually smart by Dakar because some people might have been going in diving header and they could have got it. He could have got it all wrong. He could have been worried and, and, and tried to stretch a lace in it. He could have smacked it against the bar. And he just, he, again, quality that I, the, the praise I give, um, I, I gave to, to the Millwall goal for their crossing. That was a beautifully weighted cross by uh, Ndidi. Too much on it for the keeper. Mm. Uh, too too much height on it. Perfectly put in a position. And Dakar just does the most natural thing anyone has to do. He knows it's going to go past him if he doesn't get something on it. So why don't I just throw myself at it and it's going to go in? You know, whether it's his foot. You know, goals don't have to always be pinpoint top corner finishes or, or shots from 30 yards out. As long as it hits you and the ball ends up going in the next and you've not used your arm to do so, mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, Daka won't care. It's some assault celebration, salt down, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, yeah. No, we would be the same, wouldn't we? You know, any... Any player claims a goal um, because basically... Ask you know, Nugent like, for England. Yeah, exactly. Yes, 100%, mate. 100%. Um, hi, Fields is in. Um, good evening. Yes, we are early because uh, this is an extra show. We don't normally do a preview of a uh, midweek game because basically we haven't got the time to do it. Thursday night, tonight, it is... Um, the preview show for for Birmingham, but Brad was begging. He was on his knees in front of me, and I thought, "Oh, hello!" Uh, he was begging me to do this, <laughs> and uh, I thought, "Well, you know, I, I'm, it's not it's not for me. I can't turn the lad down." Uh, but no, it, it's great because Plan B has come to fruition, and Brad will be talking all about that later. So that's why we are early. Um, and let's be honest with you, everybody can catch up on these shows anyway. Um, it, I mean, I, again, I don't get this rule where, okay, so, I mean, fair play to um, Ricardo. He, he has, you know, he can strike those balls and get those sort of goals. But I think, okay, so it was on target. 
I don't think that should automatically therefore be his goal. It hit Indeedy, it took a deflection. It should be Indeedy, shouldn't it? Well, you've seen them goals given, haven't they? Where a bloke sticks a leg out, deflects off him and goes in, and the original shot was going in anyway. So I don't understand. I mean, it's not exactly Casper justice against Yeovil sort of goal that needs to be awarded to Indeedy, who, by the way, had a fantastic game for me. Uh, I know that's no surprise. For anybody, it's nice to have three or four names in the mix for it, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, I think in that situation, it's like, well, it's the opposite of an own goal, isn't it? It's hit his own player. So if Wolf's not offside and he's not judged as interfering with play and the goal stands, then I think, even to be fair, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the YouTube shorts on, that Leicester post up when they normally get a tunnel reaction. Wilf does ask, is it mine or Ricardo's? The guy tells him it's Ricardo's. Then when Ricardo comes down the tunnel, he goes, I think it's Wilf's. I think it's Wilf's. So maybe justice for Wilf will happen over the next few days. Maybe the goals league panel or whatever you want to call it, the union will get together and say, it's deflected yeah. off their own player. The goal gives. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Swings and roundabouts, potato, potato. We got the goal, didn't we? Um, and then six minutes worth of stoppage time. Um, God knows where that came from. Uh, Leicester do what only Leicester can. Uh, concede a corner and, con and concede a goal. And suddenly it's like, can we hold on for those three minutes? Because suddenly Millwall found almost like a second wind. Well, it's like they refound the first win because, you know, I mean, okay, the second half seemed to, the, the, the first half seemed to peter out for them. They were in autopilot. They weren't really there when Leicester started to take control. And one uh, Leicester finding three goals, Millwall were just, just extras in, in, or background characters in, in, in the Leicester show, really, weren't they? I think they surprised themselves. I mean, I know the Millwall following was a bit short this year. It's almost like they're uh, a shite club that's not doing very well. Um, and they were readily ready to throw bricks at their own coaches in anger at the 3-1 scoreline. And then, obviously, when that happened, they, they got a goal. And I, I feel like at the goal we conceded was the first time this season that Enzo might be a little bit annoyed. He did seem a little bit picky at it. Was It was the first time I think we've conceded a goal because we switched off. Mm. I think for the first time, the players got into the same mentality as we do in fans listening to it or watching it in the stands or however. And we go, ah, well, it's 3-1, stop, it's time, game over. And then that happens and you realise, oh, no, I've still got to concentrate for another three or four minutes. And to be fair, we did. We switched back on. But it did have you going, oh, God, don't do not do this. Because this was the perfect result to continue that that run. And I know we'll get to it later on, but we're looking better on both sets of tables that you're going to show, aren't we, Chris? We are. We are. And I don't want to go too much into the actual game or the tactics because I know you're going to cover that. I've just got to say, I said this in the post-match. For me, that second half was probably the best 45 minutes I have seen us play this season. It's definitely it's definitely up there. Um, I, I know we've had a few goal blitzes uh, this season and, and some have come late on because that's been traditional how Leicester do things, normally kicking to gear around the 60-minute mark. 
is it our best is it our best second half performance? Ooh. I mean Plymouth was pretty good as well. Uh West Brom, you could say, for how we had to really fight against a tough top team. Um he's up there. It's up there in the top top thinking slot. I'm not sure if it's our best 45 minutes, but I can definitely uh, see an argument for it. Um, there's been a lot of them as well now, Chris. So yeah, potato, but, potato yeah. isn't it? You know, but um, yeah, I mean, your opinion's wrong, but but uh, yeah, no, I, I I just think you know, you yeah yeah, there's for the opposition. You know, we didn't we didn't just get one. We just again went for it. And yes, I know we did it against Plymouth, but. We weren't one nil down against Plymouth, but look, you'll go into it in more detail, sort of uh, when, when we get to your part in the show. But as you quite rightly said, Brad, leading me on, thank you very much for the link. Uh, the tables look better, and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to do that, and then you can see it a little bit better because it's uh, I've made it big. Tell you what, that Viagra does work. Um, we're back at the top. Will, will Ipswich, will you stop bloody winning? Please do us a favour. <laughs> give us. But just remind me, didn't Leeds, were they a little bit overconfident when they beat us? Because that's probably they were coming for us. Yeah, and I, I just need to correct you there, Chris. It's not Leeds United. We've had this discussion before. It's Spurs, Chester, United, because they're still, just like Tottenham, coming for us. I mean, we've had to drop down the division just to get away from Tottenham to keep chasing us around. It was just doing our head in. But we are, we are, yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Since they've beaten us, I think they've, they've lost two, drawn a game, have gone further behind than they were before they played us. I mean, they're 11 points behind. I'm sure they were only... And nine or ten behind us when they played and beat us. So how's that working for your Leeds? Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Leeds and Southampton. I mean, Southampton, they're even further away. I mean, they're 13 points off us. We've got to say it, and it maybe hurts a little bit, but thank you, Coventry. <laughs> they, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but, I mean, Southampton, you kind of... I don't mind Southampton basically because it's it's the it's the team, the team I where I get to actually watch my team play because it's down the road. It's, it's like a home game for me, Southampton. Um, but I don't mind them. But they they're very they are have they are taking the Leicester inconsistency title this season, Southampton. They certainly are, mate. They, they, they are they're making it for interest. And you know what? All, all joking aside, I mean, I know we've praised them before. But at least it was which are making it interesting for Leicester and keeping us on our toes for something. Because could could you imagine it this start of the season if like Ipswich had forty one points as well? We'd be going bloody hell, eleven bloody eleven bloody points clear of second or third. At least Ipswich are keeping us fighting for something, aren't they? Keeping I us honest. Kate, this the other day, I don't know if you were on the same show or whether it was a different show, and I said, would you prefer? And I'll give you my answer when you've given yours. But would you prefer Leicester to be 10 points clear? Just say 12 points clear even from Ipswich. Or would you, at this stage, or are you, would you prefer us to be like one, two, three points as, as we are? Um, I think you always need an incentive in football. I know people say, oh, they'll get paid this amount. They should never switch off and get complacent. But it's you do it. If you're on a roll in your job and 
suddenly you're bursting double numbers and I don't know, say you're stacking more shells than you've ever stacked in your life and you've got a routine down and it's working for you, you keep doing it and doing it and sometimes you might just drop that pace and all of a sudden you you do it. I think you need that, you know, you need that motivation to keep you going. And yeah. I, if you said to me, look, you're going to be cruising in the championship. Yeah. I'm not going to say no to it, but mm. I feel from, from the way this Leicester squad thrives off it, they need that prodding in the back going, we're still here by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know, I know if it's which are 11 points clear because that means third stays their gap, but I'd rather have the gap over Leeds and Southampton and know no one can knock us out of that automatic zone. Yes. No, I mean, for me, yes, it would be nice to have a 12-point gap, don't get me wrong, but I always remember, and I said to you the other day, I do know this, that, you know, that when Newcastle had that lead over Man United in the famous uh, Kevin Keegan, I love it season, um, because... When you've got that 12-point lead, complacency sets in. You know, you think, oh, yeah. we've got 12 points. We've lost a game. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're still nine points clear. You know, oh, we've lost another game. Well, we've still got six points. And it then starts to get to you. You start, oh, shit, we've lost another game. And, like, are they catching us up? Where here, it keeps you, like you say, keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It 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 it, it does, and, and you need it, and it and you can use that uh, over this difficult period because Leicester, uh, 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 well, like every Championship side, they've got a busy Christmas period, but they, they've they've probably got the ideal uh, scenario happen, haven't they? Because this this is like your reserve game, isn't it? This is like if it goes wrong over Christmas, as long as we get nine points out of nine three games beforehand because Birmingham for me is probably the that that's teetering on the Christmas fixtures for me I know they're all in December but but it gets a little bit mad after the Birmingham date day game doesn't it and if Leicester can come out of the, that game with a win you know most teams are already dropping points and needing to make up for them points over a busy period Leicester can afford to benefit from everything they've done over the last two or three games, i.e. rotating players, giving players a second lease of life, seeing players come back from injury like Dennis Pratt could pay dividends because we've already got these points in the bank. You know, you're looking at Leeds and Southampton mainly because you can't say about it because they're right on our tails and fair play to them. But the, the chasing pack can't afford to slip up any more than they already have done. Whereas Leicester, not that we want them to, but if we don't get a, a win against Birmingham or a, 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 a win against Ipswich, it's not going to be the end of the world in regards to the end goal, which is automatic promotion, because Leeds might drop another couple of points or yeah. they're already X amount of points behind us. So it's a really good sight to be seeing, Chris, going forward. I think the, the, the thing for me as well with all these games is if you lose one and let's face it we could lose one it's which could be the team you know that that, that, that beats us over christmas um there's another game around the corner you're not hanging yeah. about waiting you know it's that it's that like you've been knocked off the bike well we know we're going to get straight back on it again um yeah. we're going to look at the, the form table now this is on the last four games because i've decided to keep this to four games because i can't do five and I just think six is, well, look, you know, what happened six weeks ago? Does that really bear any resemblance as to what's happening now? So I thought four weeks. Normally, it's the month of games. So I'm going to st stick to the four 
for the form table anyway. Um, so here we are. Uh, Ipswich are top. Uh, Leicester are second. Queen's Park Rangers, good God, are third. Wow. Then Leeds, Southampton, Norwich are up there, Coventry, Watford, Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday are night. I tell you what, I had Sheffield Wednesday and QPR as two of me three to go down with Rotherham. I'm not so sure now. Um, well, yeah. We were down, at, oh my God, you know, hold the back page. We were down in seventh in the form table at one stage. Um, maybe if I went back six games, we wouldn't be as high as that. But look, we're back where we belong. And, and that's good to see because if your form is good, then you know you're doing well, basically. I mean, that's a Michael Owen statement, isn't it? Yeah, it is, Michael. I was about to call you that then. But no, you, it makes sense. And again, it shows it shows how quickly it can turn around. You know, you look back four weeks previous, I think at one point through these shows, we were down as low as 10th, and you'd have been seeing us with two defeats, uh, you know, and a, 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 you know, two defeats, a draw, uh, and a win. So it would have been about 10th on the form guide. Everything was very doom and gloom. Then we then we woke up, realised why we were on the actual table, which is a little bit more important. But it's good to see that you know. Again, uh, hold on. Um, where are Leeds on that form table? Oh, the fourth. Where is Southampton in that form table? Oh, the fifth. So they they've kind of stuttered to where they are. They're they're, they're showing now that maybe that's where their abouts are going to be come the end of the season. I know there's a few eyebrow-raising teams in there, like the mighty Sheffield Wednesday, who have failed to be unpredicted in any sense of the word as far as it's gone from me since we drew against them. And obviously QPR being up there is a bit of a strange one, but the majority of it is what you're seeing in front of you in that league table. It transfers over. I'm not really... I mean, it's fair play to QPR and to Sheffield Wednesday. They have turned it round. Uh, but, of course, they're at the other end of the table, so it's not really going to affect us. I don't think we're going to be pulled into a relegation battle uh, this season. Uh, but, look, we we spoke... I was quite heated uh, at the start of the um, game when they announced the, the team. Were you? Yes. I thought I hit it well, but I might, may have let it slip out a little bit. Um, oh. but, I, but we started playing better... When well, no, because when Justin came on, I think we'd already got. Um, oh, we were two one up before Justin yeah. come on, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he had to bring Justin on, uh, and he 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 moved Faz, Faz over to the right side. Surprise that Enzo, as he's a right sided player. I mean, I, I, yes, he could have got injured, but then so could any player, so could Winks have got injured, and he's playing every game. He's younger than Winks. He's younger than um, Cody. Why isn't he playing every game? Jewsby Hall is. Um, yeah. and I just, I just think it's a limitation in, in the area we've we've got. I know Pereira can go out there and Chowdhury can go on the right, but if we was to then lose one of them to an injury or a suspension or whatever, then then we really would be in the mud. And I think he's trying to use something to kind of give us a. A, a a different start to a game and a better and a way he can do it and maybe it's how he preempts a, a lower league side attacking us because at Sheffield you know I know it went wrong against Sheffield but he didn't actually change it up against Millwall he did and we saw that change which I'll talk about later on but I think it's maybe him being wary against 
the bottom half clubs being aggressive at them because they've got nothing to lose. Whereas when Black, Blackburn, West Brom and, and that have come in, they've kind of tiptoed around the idea of being fully aggressive at us, but kind of shown that they don't want to give us too much joy. We've battered them, but when we played against a Millwall or Sheffield, up until the point with Millwall, obviously, we have tended to struggle. Rotherham were the same, so maybe it's just something he's employing as like a a start, a cautious start to the lineup. Which is not the first time he's used that formation, is it? No, no. Uh, look, you know, we won at the end of the day, so it would be that's what matters. As well, yeah, yeah. yeah Curlish and me to sort of. Uh, still, still have a go, but and we we know the thoughts on the two um, two two uh, two goalkeepers on the bench. Uh, but for me, when I look at that, you know, Hermanson, Ricardo, Vestergaard, Faze, uh, Indidi, Winks, Dewsbury Hall, Fatu Mavadidi, those are probably um, eight nine nine players that. That's that's our starting lineup. That's our strongest, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think you're looking at that squad, and you're saying that's like um, you could get eighty to ninety percent of that team uh, predicted game on game in game out, especially with the midfield and front three. Um, yeah, pretty much that. That is that is Leicester's strongest starting eleven on paper. Uh, may even be actually. I'll talk about it later on, but it may even be the the you know the only person missing from the starting eleven is is Justin because uh, two goals, two games is a great argument to make for being the strongest starting striker in this team right that now. Do you mean not Justin? Yes, yeah, I meant Justin would be the only one that you'd add back into this team. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. that wasn't that's really, why yeah. I left Cody out. Yes, because, um, oh. yeah, because Justin would, would be in there. Okay, I was, I was actually going to say that I was just typing to Scott then. I wanted, I was going to save this for later. Two goals in two games. Um, and I've got to say, before he was before he got the uh, the, the, the flu, uh, in actual none in six, um, Scott says here, would either of you be surprised to see Dakar? Uh, taking either Vardy or Nacho's place, uh, as if I'm right in thinking both Nacho and Vardy out of contract at the end of the season. Look, we I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Daka has come in, and for me, he's given he's given Enzo one hell of a headache, and he's basically said, "Drop me if you dare," really, hasn't he? You know, and I, I I've said before that. All three strikers, and I, and I put this up on the uh, heat map last uh, in the last show or the last review show. You can see how deep the strikers are coming, and that's what Enzo wants. So that's fine. They're doing what they're told. So you can't blame. You can't tell them off when they're doing what the what the manager wants them to do. If it was just one of them, you might say, well, "Why is he doing that?" But all three are doing it, so it's obviously what Enzo wants them to do. What Dak has got, which Vardy hasn't got as much as he used to and the same with the Inacto is the speed that, to get up and fight back so um look it's early days after the game against um who did we play and beat the other day Plymouth um and after this game it's only two games so let's not get too excited we've done this in the past haven't we and you know Daka may play the next five and not score and we'll be glad to say well, why why have we got him why have we got him so let's wait and see. But for me, is there that urgency to go and buy a striker now that Dak has proven what he can do? To me, no. 
Um, I don't think there is over January because you have to remember he'll be going away uh, along with Ndidi and along with Ian Acho. Uh, you'd assume, unless for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Fatawa as well. So we're losing a big force in our team now. So Vardy and Tom Cannon, I am... The only question we need now is can Tom Cannon do the starter or the bench job that Ian Acho and Vardy had been doing, rotating between them whilst they're away? I'm hoping, and I'm sure we all are, that the answer is going to be yes, and then it's not such a worry in January. In the summer, like you said, Chris, kind of kind of with Dakar at the moment with his form, time will tell. Will Ian Acho be here? Will he have a contract with us? Will he leave us on a free? We don't know. So you can't can't go too far in the future and answer questions that we just know nothing about. But it's not like we're we're mid table in the Premier League and we can say, well, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. We don't know where we'll be. If we get promoted, then we will have one plan, I'm sure. If we don't get promoted, yeah. there has to be another plan. You know, it might be that we don't get fatter if we don't get promoted. Um, but. There's got to be the two plans because there can't be the finances are so different. Um, yeah. if, if if Ian Acho doesn't sign a contract between uh nine, um, uh, sorry, what I forgot what I was saying. Um, if if Ian Acho doesn't sign a contract between now and the end of the season and he goes on a free, I kind of don't mind as much because he's still been putting the effort in, which Telemans didn't, mm. but. We, if he stays with us and we go up, we'll get more money by going up than we would have done by selling him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's a bit of a different situation to last season. I mean, look, yes, Ian Atcher is my favourite striker at Leicester City at the moment. Not in terms of quality or level that he does. Like Obviously, Vardy will always be ahead of him for that one. He's achieved. But I just like his tenacity, his his effort on the pitch and he's a he's a he's a workhorse but if he gets us promoted for what we all right wait you just wait for Vestergaard to get my <laughs> remote I'm talking about his goal to play it then um but no uh f- for me if he doesn't sign a contract yes I I still would hold a bit of a gripe because same reason for Tillemans. Just sign a contract that has something in it that benefits you and benefits the club, i.e. we get some money for you at the summer and you still go. But getting us back promoted, the money we will get for regaining our premiership status, for what we're going to sell him for if we put a value on him realistically, it's only going to be about 10, 12 million. So, If I wanted to say, I'd be more worried about losing Ndidi for free right now than I am Ian Acho. Yeah. Uh, Scott says, could we call upon Atgun to play further forward? Look, I think Atgun's a winger, and I know Enzo's trying to make him into more of a central midfielder anyway. So uh, let's see how that goes, first of all. But look, that that's the match timeline. Um, we pretty much sort of know how it worked out. For me, uh, I think they were the dirtiest team we've played this season. Yeah, definitely. They definitely lived up to the name Millwall, didn't they, with uh, the way they were shuffling about. I mean, 
I've seen it four, five, five times now, and <laughs> still, I still can't imagine how the uh, the fourth, well, the, the linesman at least didn't give a, a penalty, and he, you know, Millwall didn't get one man with a marching orders. I think the referee may have got death threats before the game off Millwall, I, I, the I, way I, he was being with his Yeah, I don't blame the referee because I think the referee might have been unsighted because when, from my angle at watching it, where the camera was, I couldn't tell if it was a penalty or not. So I'm kind of thinking. I can see why sometimes the referee gets it wrong. But what was the assistant referee doing? He was he was on that side. He was level with them because he has to be. That's his job. What was he doing? Yeah, that's where the question comes in. You know, it's easy to jump down the referee's neck. But to be honest with you, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've watched the highlights and whatnot on, 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 on all fronts. There's nothing the lines that the referee can give really because he can't really see it, and you have to be sure that it's that it is a foul to give that to give that decision. But the linesman, oh dear! But it didn't matter in the end, and that that's sort yeah. of what makes it a bit easy to take, isn't it? Because imagine if we'd have lost that game or drawn it, and mm-hmm. we'd be looking back at that incident in a lot, a lot more. Um, Anguish, should yeah. I say? It just had to highlight a couple of pieces there on the, uh, and I'll just bring it up now, uh, the match summary. Um, and under um, weaknesses, I uh, just want to go to Millwall first of all. It says exactly that there were aggressive. And I think the number of bookings that they got, um, like you say, I'm surprised that, that they only stayed at, at the yellow. Uh, good to see for two matches, uh, and this is done by um, who scored.com. But it's good to see that some of the matches there, but uh, sorry, last match and this match, no weaknesses for Leicester. Yeah, it is good, you know, because you always like to, you know, a, a famous manager saying is usually we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the training ground and work on what we didn't get right. Well, if you're going off that, then Leicester didn't get much wrong, did they? So it's good. I mean, to be fair, it's not like we gave up for possession a lot to Millwall. I don't realistically remember Hermanson having a save to make. I think I think he actually had a game where the only thing he did do, unfortunately, was put the ball out of his net twice. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a really good game. And, and that just shows that the fact that, you know, a neutral website, if you will, is, is saying that Leicester showed no weakness. This is it. It's a neutral website, as you say. It isn't, you know... Uh, it isn't a, a, a pro Leicester one at all. I just put these up for sort of people to have a look at as we go through. Uh, but the next one is 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 the goal attempts. And uh, look, I've got to say this: I mean, none of us like none of us like Millwall, and they don't care to be honest with you. Um, but to me, along with Leeds, Plymouth, and possibly West Bromwich Albion, this they put up a really good fight. They didn't sit back. They didn't park the bus. They came at us. 11 shots. At one point, they'd had more than us, but we had 15. Both of us had seven on target. Um, eight of those 15 were actually from set pieces for Leicester. But again, I think that says more about Millwall being dirty than about you know, us earning them. Um, uh, and you, you can see there, conversion rate 20%. Again, it's just nice to be looking at sort of good figures, isn't it, after last season? Yeah, well, anything's better than last season. Uh, you know, a zombie apocalypse would sound like a better idea than watching Leicester last season. It would have been yeah. less painful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's good It's good to see. Credit to Millwall. Kept fighting in the end. 
Um, although it didn't sound like it played out like that. I will be honest with you. That, um, but it, it, it shows just how difficult it is to do and get anything away from Leicester. Uh, because I think we show our extra in, in, in quality, um, especially in that middle to final third, because, you know, we've come away from this game, we've won 3-2. And if you really take into the fact that their second goal came in the 92nd minute, so it wasn't like it was an end-to-end game in that sense, I, I think you just uh, have to say it just shines further our quality in this division because, you know, we, we've had the same amount of chances on target as us. Uh, as they have, uh, but we've scored three of ours. You know, we've we've got like a forty or thirty odd percent conversion rate. If I said to you that we had had about seven hundred and fifty more passes than uh, Millwall, would that surprise you? No, not at all. Because I could imagine that four hundred and ninety of them were were between Vestergaard. Phase and and Madsen and the other three hundred were going forward for for chances and goals. Yeah, eight hundred ninety-nine passes for Leicester, two hundred and fifty for uh, Millwall, uh, twenty crosses for us, nine for them, uh, fifty-one long balls, fifty-eight uh, short passes, eight twenty-eight to one eighty-six. Uh, I mean, tell I mean, look, that I think all right. I, I accept that a lot of that was between our back four. We know that. Uh, but, again, it just shows, in my opinion, the domination of that end of that first half and the second half. Yeah, it just shows our ability to to not only, uh, you know, have the ball, but be, be confident and, and controlling with it. You know, uh, people do get a little bit, Larry at it when it goes a long period of time without much end result that we pass it around a bit but we're not doing it for the sake of doing it we're doing it to, to create you know we're you know we always say you know you'd rather be the team with the ball than without the ball because if you're casually being allowed to pass it around the opposition are running around trying to get it up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And it becomes a game of, it feels like piggy in the middle sometimes and and Enzo wants the lads to do that. He wants them to have that split second that you need in football. And some, some teams give us about 10 minutes to think of the ball. I've seen Yannick Vestgaard stop, scratch his, scratch his chin and uh, think about whether he left the oven on or not. He's had that much time on the ball sometimes. But 
you know, Chris, it, it, it's the way he wants to to get this team playing in a level of confidence of the way they do it. That if they need to switch it up and just go it, go at a team, they they can do it, and they proved it in the last two games to deadly effect because you know they've scored. Well, they, you know, we've scored seven goals in two games, so it's proven its effect that they've got that balance now. It seems. Um, between them to, to kind of just go through the gears and and keep hold of it and if you can pass teams to death Chris it, 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 it funny enough it, you know I know we get the links and the jokes because of our manager and, and, and whatnot but it's one man city title after title I, mean, I know they're not having the greatest of seasons at the moment in comparison to stuff, but I still wouldn't think there's many people betting against Man City somehow still going on to win another title because they do it there was a 15-minute period, I think, late in the first half, where I say 15 minutes, that's exaggerating. But I think I actually wrote down 30,000 passes. It wasn't quite that. But it felt like 30 passes just between the defenders. And I'm thinking, well, all right, there has to come a point where you've got to do something with the ball because, yeah, okay, you're not going to score if you've got the ball, if you've not got the ball. But if you've got the ball and do nothing with it, you're not going to score either, but you know, obviously, again, it, it came, it came off all right. Positional report here. Um, again, look at the the sides; it's pretty even. Forty down down the left with Mavadidi, twenty nine on the right. I mean, the, I mean, Fatou had that defender in his pocket. He really well, he did have him in his pocket, but he was doing come dancing with him. He was in twinkling towing past him. Um, and then uh, that's interesting, though. The shot directions: no shots from the left, and only seven from the um, from the right. I think that's because they tend to come in to have a shot, don't they? Yeah, they're inverted. Uh, they're, they're, we don't just play inverted wing blacks. We play inside. We play inside forwards essentially. Um, so essentially, Leicester do play three up front because uh, they, you know, they're that they. That's the that's the quality and diversity we've got with Mavadidi and Fatawu. They can hang out wide and, and and bring a ball in and get to the byline and cross it cross it into the box and put it in the mixer. If Leicester have got bodies in there, and if they're if they're getting behind like they've done on numerous occasions throughout the season, not just against Millwall uh, or Plymouth, but uh, throughout a number of games this season, if them three get in behind, whether it's Mavadidi, Fatu, Vardy, or Inacho in the middle, or, or, or as it's been for the last two games, Dakar, they just seem to have an understanding of when to get in behind and run at them and go and drive into the box, and, and when they need to be the supplier and. The fact that they they know that and they're capable to do both aspects of that job, that's what the difference between being just an out and out winger is and being an inside forward. Because an inside forward's job to, is to is to support the attacking players, and if it's attacking just with Daka, they've both got to go down that middle and get into the box. And like I said, if you've got Jewsbury Hall and Winks and Indeedy up there, they can supply it from the width. So it's it's a great asset to have. At the club, both There's of them. a couple of combinations that I want to talk about, but I'm going to leave it until after you've done your bit in case you cover it during that. I don't want to take sort of, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, any, any um, you know, that's what I say, that's your 
bit to talk about. Uh, again, only 20% of our shots were outside the box, which is good to see. Interesting, Millwall did not have any shots from outside the box. Now, does that say more about them, or does that say that we were closing them down well? I think it says a bit more about them, because Millwall just live up to their own stereotype, don't they? they they've got big, burly players that scruffy as scruff can get. They look like they'd knock you out and then have another 15 points afterwards, some of their players, don't they? But they're a bit of a... They're a bit of like that... They remind me of that Sunday League side that finishes mid-table but takes every game serious and goes in two-footed and says that he got the ball ref. You know, that, that, that kind of team that you see play on a, on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. Um... Because I can't imagine Millwall looked at them, looked looked at statistics before the game because it confuses them too many numbers, and they probably just went, "Well, we've got tall blokes, slow blokes, get them in the box, put the ball in there, and hope we can cause some trouble." Which, to be fair, their two goals did come from crosses yeah. into the box, mm -hmm. so it kind of merited where they were having the majority of their efforts from. Because I don't think they've got anybody who has it in their locker enough for them to have been shooting from the edge of the box. No, no. Um, somebody said to me the other day, why do you show the heat maps? And I, I find the heat maps very, very interesting. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I need to get out more. But when we look at the, you put all our players uh, on the heat map and all their players on the heat map, I think it shows, Is did, was this a game that we deserved to win because we put the effort in? Or is it because you're not going to get on the heat map just for being stood in your place, you know? Um, and or is this, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, it, it, it doesn't show much, much in you know heat, so therefore, you know, you've done sweet FA. I kind of just say that this who scored.com before we go on to it, their man of the match, I just want to sort of make a point of their man of the match was in fact Yannick Vestergaard. <laughs> So I just thought, I just thought I'd, I'd even that out. <laughs> uh, how much how much money has that put you out, out out of pocket getting them to give him man of the match, Chris? <laughs> Look, this is the this is the heat map anyway. Uh, Leicester on the left, um, being the home team, we're we're not in blue. Uh, I mean, by God, when you look at that, how much effort did we put in compared to Millwall? Yeah, and we do this every week, and and majority of the weeks it's worked out wonders for us uh we do put a shift in and again we've we've talked about it we've we've heard from kate we've heard from alan when we've all give different man of the matches you kind of get that perspective from our post matches uh on, on, on part two of the watch alongs these days apparently according to chris didn't give me that memo oh. that doing two -parter. Um, but on part two of the watch along, we you do get that because you hear every aspect of the game, whether it's been listened to, watched, or live at the stadium, or or, or you hear just listening to Chris tell you what's going on on his on his watch along. You just get the feeling that that Leicester have players that don't just stand around with their with their hands down the shorts if they're not involved or on the ball. They're they're they're, they're after everything, and, and and we've said it a lot about certain players. Um, you know, it's what they do off the ball. It's, it's what they do off the ball. It, you know, it's it's the work we're not seeing. That, that that's where we're winning this game because Winks is running Lara and Joe Bunny. 
indeed he's doing it, Dewsbury Hall's doing it, Vestergaard phase, you know, and the fact that we're saying it collectively about all the all of our players just, just shows you how hard you have to work to win games of football. It doesn't matter the level. Uh you have to work hard. And and it shows that that, that that's the mentality they've got to keep working hard no matter the opposition. And let me just say that the, on the Leicester side, while well, on both sides, the halfway line goes down the middle of our square. So half the mm. red is in their own half. Um, and I wanted to add to this, and Yannick, I'm going to have to mute you, I'm afraid, mate, we've got the bit of the echo back. Um, I want to show you, before you get on to your bit, uh, Brad, uh, Yannick, because... Whenever I look at Yannick, I always think, like, my God, he's my he's our central defender, and he's like literally further forward than sort of the, the halfway, you know, the, the center circle, uh, and he, he's passing it about there. But this is the heat map for, for Yannick, and I mean, if you sort of look at that, wow! I mean, how, and, I, and, I, and I put a few defenders up there. Nobody had put in, I know, I, you know, taking my blue team defenders off, but nobody put in a shift like Yannick did. And obviously, there's more in our own half. He's a defender, of course, there is. But again, that from a player that we had written off last season, that to me is 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 amazing. And it was the best out of any because I just thought, well, I'll pick, I'll see which defender's got the best heat map. And as it happened, it was Yannick Vestergaard, and that shows how much that when he's got the ball, yes, he stands on it, yes, he keeps it in position, but also he does move about with it. Yeah, he does. He does his role uh, very well. He's he's supposed to be the calmer head in it. He's supposed to be the one that kind of looks in front, just sees it and, and, and plays the better pass. I know people will say, well, he didn't play the right pass for, for the goal that Millwall scored. But, you know, one out of 100 passes does that. It's, it's not always going to result in the goal. So, yeah, he does work hard, and again, it, 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 this is what this allows you to see. It's it's maybe a bit hard to do when you just analyse the squad in its entirety, but it's necessary to see that it's not just certain individuals working hard; it's the whole squad working hard, which is what the previous graphic shows us. But yeah, and I, I can imagine. I know you're saying obviously Vestergaard is is head and shoulders got a more of a heat map than others but I, I i could imagine that the rest are all pretty decent looking heat maps individually maybe maybe not a madsen he's probably got uh one one blocked and, and, and where he warmed his hands up and that's that's what's caused the heat on his map because he didn't have a lot to do but you, yeah. you know the rest of it's still going to be there and it is and what we're going to do each week is have a different player because i forget who, who did we look at last week i can't remember i don't think we did an individual one we did no we did um i think it was daka because Daka would come back. So we'll look at different players each week but uh we'll have a very quick break and when we come back i'm going to disappear i'm going to hand you over to brad and you can look at him in full screen beauty and we'll be having uh brad's moment straight right after this folks the TalkSport Fan Network is the ultimate on-demand destination for the UK's best fan-led football podcasts. Including Leicester Till I Die, independent analysis and reaction for the Foxes faithful. The TalkSport Fan Network. Unbeatable club-dedicated content created by the fans for the fans. Follow the podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. 
Well, here we are, me and my, um, well, I would say beautiful face, but you poor sods have to look at it, so I'll let you make the decision. And we're going to talk about what, what Chris highlighted at the start of the show. It's something that I may or may not have had my personal rant about after the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, and that is Plan B has arrived and just in time for Christmas, uh, Enzo dressed up as Santa Claus and delivered something to us Leicester fans have been wanting to see for a long time. And that was a plan B because whilst things can go well with Leicester playing the Enzo way, you do need to have a second Enzo way to do so. Uh, and, and we found it in the second half. Um what was that change? Was it just the aggression? Was it the dropping the, the slow build-up play and going all out aggressive? Well, a little bit, yes. But it was also for the first time, it was a, a formational change that happened to the system. Because, as you saw by the starting lineup, we had three centre-back pairings um, in the midfield. So we, had, we actually played a a three-four. A, a, a three, a free four three. It was it was very strange, but it's how he wanted to do it. And and what that did is it, it it gave us um it gave us an extra security behind a Millwall push, but it was very compact. If I try and keep this in in the screen to give you an idea, Leicester's defence is usually well spread. It's usually from end to end. It's usually left to right and it's spread out from from across the backwards. But it was very compact with the three. Uh, it, it, you know, we had Vestergaard, Cody, and Faze. Um, and then they weren't stretching out too far too much. And that's where Leicester, Leicester's uh, lack of creativity kind of came from the first half because certain players were restricted to doing what they're normally doing. Most notably, and I'll get on to him into a second, Ricardo Pereira and um, Steffi Mavadidi was, was another one that kind of suffered from it because... Mavadini lost that link that he gets with JJ. JJ's a, a very confident left wing back that can drive forward with the ball and is happy to put the brakes on, if you will, and keep himself in our half just in case. But they, but he's able to lay the ball off either to Dewsbury Hall, who's maybe made an advanced run, or he plays it in to, to, to Mavadidi. And, and while FaZe isn't comfortable at doing that, so to reassure it, Enzo switches to a, a three at the back. That isn't really the plan B. That that's the cautious tactic. The plan B came at half time, and he kind of realised that whilst this wasn't causing us too much trouble at the back, we weren't going to get back into this game if we didn't step it up a gear. So what he did is he just he 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 pushed he pushed the defence and stretched them. Now he didn't change to a back back four properly until until he brought J, JJ on. So what he did is he played it very risky equals reward and he changed us up to a five, a, a, a two at the back, a five in midfield and a three up front. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, that's too many. A two up front, essentially. It was a very weird system that he played but what he essentially did is he weighed anchor in the second half he put phase back in his centre-back position so trying to get him to drift out to left back and come back in centre-back which he was doing first half he had phase and and Vestergaard and Cody as, as, as centre-backs but he freed Ricardo up he put Ricardo into that middle 
and almost added Vestergaard into that in a sense to allow Cody and and them phase, I nearly forgot his name then, to be more natural centre back. So they could stick at a wide left and right right wide right. I'll get my words out, easy for me to say. Um centre back pairings and allowed Vestergaard to almost be a central defensive midfielder, which meant that Leicester had Ndidi, uh Dewsbury Hall, uh Ricardo, Fatawu and Mavadidi going in an attacking sense alongside Winks uh, in that middle as well. So Leicester went middle heavy. Um, they, they packed the centre of the midfield with an extra body with Vestergaard. They added Ricardo to go back to his more natural inverted forward uh, run. So he had the option to either overlap on the wing if the space was there and he would... Um, and he would get into the middle if if the bodies were needed to push through the middle and exploit Millwall's uh, gaps there. And, and that essentially meant that Leicester were playing with just two centre-backs at the back, a, 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 a centre-defensive mid in front of them in Ndidi, uh, and then uh, in Ndidi, in Winks, sorry, and Vestergaard. And then they they had um, Dewsbury Hall, Ndidi, Ricardo in that middle with Fatu on the right and and Mavadid and left and that left Ianacho up on its home. It was the comp it was the compact and compressed technique from Enzo, which is the plan B. Uh I am stuttering with my words, mate. I'm trying to think and say as it is, and it's happening to my tongue. Sorry, the words aren't coming out the way I'm trying to explain it. But they did they just compressed the middle. They compressed and compacted the middle, and in doing so with wide players available to them. Uh, they were able to exp- expose any gaps out there as well with Mavadidi uh, and Fatawu, and that's what won Leicester the game. They were high line. They were, like I said, very compact in the middle, compressing Millwall, squeezed Millwall into an area where they weren't comfortable dealing with Leicester and, 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 and being able to manage Leicester's uh, high press and, 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 and bodies forward. And that's just what worked wonders for Leicester. Uh, you look at the goals we scored. Yes, they were scrappy. Yes, they weren't the most clean hit goals. But all goals had at least four Leicester players in the box. Um, and one either side, of, of uh, on the left and right side of the box, waiting for an overhit cross or the ball to come to them if they wanted it put into the box, which they did for the Ndidi crossing for uh, for, for Pats and Dacker's goal. Um so so you, you you saw how Leicester just sort of compressed and squeezed Millwall into submission in a second half, which was completely dominated and attacking front by Leicester by doing that. So as crazy as it sounds that like Leicester essentially played the second half with just two centre-backs and, 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 and nothing more, as you saw by the heat map, Leicester aren't careless at doing it. They didn't do a West Brom and throw everybody forward and overcommit and concede a last-minute equaliser or anything like that. They 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 had the reassurance that pe- that players like Winks and Vestergaard would only go so far in the attack. It's why you didn't really hear much of Winks last last night in the game. It's the reason why, in allowing that, Ricardo had so much more freedom because two players were ready to cover him if the ball was lost and it was, it was sort of that mentor throughout the stages of the game. You know, if, if, if Leicester could get the ball from, 
from Faze to Winks or Vestergaard, then they could get the ball to Ricardo or, or, or Ndidi. And if they could get the ball to Ricardo or Ndidi, they could then get it to Fatu or Dakar, or they could get it to Mavadidi or Dakar. And, and because the, the, the role, the role in actions of, of how Leicester changed their shape and the way they move the like to move the ball through the, through the, through the pitch, it really does help Leicester score these quick-fire goals that we've been seeing. The way they've scored the goals against Plymouth and Millwall, yeah, OK, it's Plymouth and Millwall. I know I, I can hear you saying that it, it depends on the opposition, but we have already seen it at times this season where it's worked. We scored very quick goals in a blitz form against Blackburn away. We did the same, most notably, against Southampton. Uh, at St Mary's so we have done it on other occasions and it has proved that when it works unless there are firing on all cylinders and we do turn over into attack mode that we do not we do see a different Leicester not just in their aggression but in the way they shape up and go for it and it just rolls superbly throughout the team and, and you probably are seeing a manager which gets huge credit here the manager going there's no I in team. I'm going to play a way that gets the best out of everybody I have available. That's the f that's that's the first and foremost. How can I get the best out of this squad, and how can I combine that with how I want them to play football? And from what I've seen in recent games, especially, that is what we have seen with Leicester. We finally have a plan B. We finally have a plan B in our terms of our tempo. We have a plan B in terms of formation and we now have a plan B in form of our tactics. He's brought all of them together to give us a complete plan B and that is what won us the game last night, Chris, against Millwall. That, that is Brad's tactical analysis on the Leicester-Millwall performance and the tale of two halves, if you will. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Hi, Alan Smith here. Hey guys, Ian Hume here. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Be sure to watch Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV for all the latest Leicester City news and information. You can also subscribe on YouTube and various social media channels for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Come on, you foxes! Coming up next on Leicester Till I Die TV. I wasn't unmuted then. Thank you, Brad, uh, for that. We'll be back at seven tonight uh, for the preview of uh, the Birmingham game. Um, Rooney versus Vardy. This time, no lawyers. Uh, so looking forward to that. Oh, as Brad would say, I've got to do that because he, he was taking my seat then. How how very dare he. Brad, brilliant, uh, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um want to just ask you, uh, what one thing that impressed me very much was the Fatou-Indidi partnership. They seem to be really starting to understand each other down that right side. Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, Fatou-Indidi is definitely a standout link-up. I think the way he's got it is he, he also doesn't have a midfielder concentrate on doing too much. Something that a certain bell end had James Madison and that trying to do for us for about three seasons, but he he has that responsibility because I would say that I would say that the the Ndidi and Fatou link up is 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 probably the best link up out there. But I would say 
that have you noticed as well that that Dewsbury Hall and Mavadidi can link up quite well. So he's splitting that responsibility. He's not relying on just one of them to be able to pass it to both wingers. He's got Dewsbury Hall on the left and Lindidi on the right. And I will say there is a very good and strong partnership that him and Fatua do seem to have. But it, it, it's it's whilst it's not as strong on the other side, it's definitely there with, with Dewsbury Hall and, and, and Mavadidi. So it's good to see. Yeah. Um, so just going to look here. This is what um, Alan, who goes to the matches, um, he rates the players. And we discussed this um, in the post-match last night. So I'm just putting this up for information. Uh, overall team performance, he gave uh, the team a seven which I think, well, I know uh, Brad agreed with and also Kate, who was at the match. Uh, we all went for different man of the matches. Um, but Alan, again, he's there, so he sees everything completely different to us. Gave it to Pat Sendaka and fair play to the guy to come in, score two goals uh, in two games and also get a man of the match uh, off Alan. He, he has done well. What we're going to do now is, again, I'm going to be quiet. Uh, I don't know if you say how, really? Could you? Um, but yes, we can, because we're going to be rating the players. Well, I'm not going to be rating the players. Brad is going to be giving his ratings. And we're not, there's not a Jordan Blackwell in sight. The Premier League? That's so last season. It's all about the championship here on LTID TV. Now, now that's what I call football. You hit the right spot. <laughs> So here we go, Brad. I'm just going to let you go through it. I have a feeling the first one's going to get a high mark. Yeah, Moresco doing things the Moresco way. Uh, Enzo ball in full flow. Showed us he's uh, got something going on in that noggin of his more than just uh, passing percentage football. Was lovely to see. Um, I don't think the result reflects the performance because I think we should we we I think three one was probably just about fair but I, I did say to Enzo Chris is gonna get three points he said okay then so they, they let a goal in late on uh yeah that's how many goals we conceded mate um I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a nine I think it was another tactical uh, uh bit of he showed his tactical ability as a manager um so yeah so for me he gets a nine uh, I forgot you're on mute, and we're just doing this. Uh, I'm, wa I'm waiting for your, your Jordan rant, but it goes, it doesn't, doesn't happen now. Uh, Madsen, Madsen, not really a lot he could do about either goal. Maybe Millwood has showed that there is still a weakness at claiming corners. He doesn't seem the most confident or capable at doing it. Um, didn't have a lot to do because he didn't have a lot to do, I'm going to give him a six, Chris. Didn't have a lot to do, which isn't a bad thing as a keeper, trust me. I mean, sometimes it's nice to not have a lot to do, but unfortunately, the two things that I remember him having to do was pick his ball, pick the ball out of there and give it back to the Leicester players to start the game. So, yeah, I can only give him, can only give him a six, really. Uh, um, we'll actually ask a question on this one. Was he at fault at all, do you think, for the second goal? I think there needs to be something worked on from his ability to come and collect and command his box from corners because he does it. Uh, he does it in open play brilliantly, and if it's a crossing from a from a wide position, he can do it. But when it's a set piece or a corner, there is a few question marks. I think he needs to work on something in the um, 
in, in, in on the training ground or, or find a way to better deal with it because we have had a few decisions that could have cost us. Moving on to a wild phase who played in a back three and then a back two, if you will, for, for the second half. Um, that's definitely how I felt like it was anyway. Um, a lot more comfortable in the second half. Still likes to get forward with the ball. Always got a great recovery rate. Reads the ball well as as well, mate. Is some of the blocks he makes that that he that he made last night, and he's made throughout the season. It's just his football intelligence for knowing where the want the opposition wants to put the ball, and he he gets there and he gets his head on it. He's uh, definitely saved a few goal scoring opportunities uh, a lot this season. Was reliable again. Um, didn't didn't do anything too note of wrong. Uh, I'm 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 going to give him an eight. I didn't give him an eight on that one. Uh, so I'm guessing next is your love child. Um, we've already played the music enough. And we don't want to break the button. So that that's the last time I'll say that. But look, he made a pass that he'd made a, a handful of times, if not more, this season. And they'd all found a way to Ricardo or, or Winks or whoever was out there. The one time he doesn't get it right, and of course, Sod's Law, as a goalkeeper or a defender, you get punished. Um, I know the goal didn't ultimately come from that, but it does. It, it does put them on the front foot. Had a good game. Uh, redeemed himself, if you will, for that little error with 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 a goal that proved vital in the end for Leicester. And I haven't done it for a few weeks, but I am going to do it this week. I'm going to return to what I usually do. I'm going to match him up with his other centre back pairing, and I'm I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, this one's finding it a bit difficult, isn't it? With with the former Vestergaard and Faze, he's not really broken back into the side like we all expected to. I know he came with us with a bit of an injury, sod floor, his first ever injury as a footballer, and it comes the second he walks through Leicester's training ground doors. But uh, for, for all the expectation of him coming in and, and, and kicking someone out of the team and then never seeing the, the light of day again because he's this awesome player, he hasn't been able to do that. And that's, that shows the credit to the, the transformation in Vestergaard and the consistency of, of, of Vestergaard and, and, and FaZe. Uh, didn't do a lot wrong. Obviously, uh, became the sacrificial lamb for Justin to come mm. on. So, it was good to see him get minutes. Good to see him get a decent performance. Uh, definitely going to be vital during this Christmas period, having having at least M3 available for, for the centre-back roles uh, throughout the season as well. I can't give all three of them the same rating. He does only get a seven from me because he did what he did right, but he came off fairly early in that second half for Justin. So, um, didn't get to see a lot of him in that sense. So, yeah, he gets a seven from me. Seven. Seven. Uh, was up there as one of my contenders for man of the match. Uh, got his goal, did he? Didn't he? Uh, he'll take it, I'm sure. Uh, especially if uh, the goals panel doesn't turn it over. But um, as soon as he moved back into his natural role that he has under Enzo, he was a player transform because he was quiet in that first half. But once the system allowed for him to go back into that inverted forward, add an extra body into the midfield, I think at one point, I can't remember if it was actually the Millwall game or, or the, 
post Plymouth game, he said Millwall went five in the middle, so I wanted to go six. Just shows that if, if you do more maths, apparently it works. Uh, it proved it because once he was in that middle, he was class. He, he, he really shone on his class. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've got to give him, I've got to give him an eight. And he was teetering on a nine for me. But yeah, he was he was brilliant uh, throughout the game. Dewsbury Hall, one of his quieter games, um, but it's good in a way. We shouldn't be so heavily reliant on him having his best game, having to have his best game to play well. Um, probably a good sign as well because four or five other players were being spoke about more than Dewsbury Hall because he didn't have to carry the weight of the expectation in the middle. Sorry, Chris, I'm boring you. I'll get through it quicker. Um, I had 30 minutes sleep last night. So. Oh, well, it's, it, I, I, I'll let you off then. You know how that feels, mate. Oh, yeah, very true. Um, but, yeah, for me, didn't do anything wrong. Had a fairly solid game. Was outshone, in a way, by some very good performances. I'm going to give him a seven. 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 Uh, again, one of the most consistent men on the pitch for Leicester. Uh, I because we have because because Fatu was a loan signing and not a permanent signing. I will agree he is the signing of the season for Leicester. Fatu would be up there in terms of, of of signing if he was a permanent one because he's done well. But reliable gets around. Um, again, doesn't probably get praised or noted for what he does off the ball. Um, talking about earlier, the off the ball work we see off the heat map running around shows that they do do that when they're not involved. Again, another quiet game for him, which isn't, again, the worst thing. So if you can imagine where I'm going for it, Chris, it's the same as Dewsbury Hall. He gets a seven. Okay. I thought he was going to do that then. Uh Wow, here we go. Uh, struck fear into one of the uh, Millwall defenders, twice forced him to put it out for a corner, played an absolute inch-perfect cross to set up Dakar, uh, really stole the show from me in midfield. In fact, he, he stole the show that much that he technically got a goal stolen off it, but I'm sure he's not bitter about it or letting Ricardo know that that's technically his goal. Um one of the most standout performances I've seen from Wilfred indeed in a long time. Uh, for that reason, in the end, he was head and shoulders above everybody else in, in the end for my Man of the Match award. You said that was probably Leicester's best second half display. I think that was Wilfred's best uh, performance this season. Maybe in general on a Leicester shirt, I don't know. There might be some people that think his game's in the, champion, in the Europa League and whatnot probably... He's had a performance in there, but in terms of the season, his best performance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a ten. I think Ooh. he was flawless, pretty much. I, I think he deserves a ten for his. I, uh, I actually wrote a nine down there. I'm sure you're gonna go that high. No, I think he deserves it. I think he's. You know, we've been asking for this indeed to turn back up and he deserves it. Steffi Mavadidi, a man who's come back into the goal scoring form. Uh, against Plymouth, uh, getting some more goals and assists. Uh, you know, was told that he needs to keep them performances going and he can be one of the best Premier League players, uh, according to his manager. Um, again, tried really hard, kept kept causing Millwall trouble, kept stretching um, 
uh, kept stretching the um, the Millwall back line, opened up the space, wasn't as involved as he has been in recent weeks in terms of goal threat. Uh, you know, he Fatu definitely offered more, but a fairly solid and pleasing performance. Having said that, what you're paying him to do, I don't remember him doing all too much of in terms of shots or or, or a potential getting assists. So I am going to give him a seven, Chris. Seven. My favourite number, apparently. Um, well, I'll say it once. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times, and I'll say it again. Don't fall in love with a lone player because they only break your heart. But I've got a really good feeling about this one. Uh, already said he wants to come and play for Leicester now. Obviously, when things are going good, you're always going to say that. I get it. You, you're trying to make an impression on the club. But he's impressing all around. He's impressing the fans. He's impressing the manager. I don't think he's missed a game since he has been since he got on a run in the team. I don't think so. Unless injuries forced him to, I think he started... Um, most of his games that he's been involved in uh, after he first arrived at the club. Uh, and he's proven such an asset to this team. Cuts inside, drags the defenders, makes runs in behind, gets Leicester on the front foot. Seems to know where everybody on that pitch is at any given second. The way he makes, you know, um, you know, you know, the way he makes passes is assist for, you know, Dakar's goal, um, at the weekend, followed up by his performances in, in this midweek game, Chris, he just gets better and better for me. Um, and this is why, indeed, he gets a 10 because he gets a nine for me. He was my man of the match and he didn't score, but I still had to go for man of the match because he had the defenders in, in you know, going all over the place trying to keep up with him. Uh, yeah. I mean, how do you give a manager a striker's headache in in 180 minutes of football? You score two goals and get an assist. Yeah. Um, I think it was a question that was going to get asked at the end, or maybe you was going to ask me it. And apologies if 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 I'm answering it for you in advance here. But two goals, two games. Right place, right time. Seems to already be on that wavelength with Ndidi and Fatuu and that especially. So it's showing that he's working so hard in training to be up to scratch. When given the opportunity and through whatever means he's been given the opportunity, Chris, he's earned the opportunity and he's taken it with a plum. And for me, I wouldn't change him. I would not, you know, I, you know, we talked about it at the start. Okay, you'd imagine it's going to be Cody gets dropped for, for Justin to get back into starting lineup. But if you're asking me right now, Chris, who 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 goes as the sole striker? That that has got to be on it, mate. Two goals and assisting, uh, two goals and assisting two games. Um, could have maybe created more opportunities, but I feel like he's going to be a bit like Ian Atcher and Fardy. They're not going to get too many opportunities, clear cut opportunities, given the amount of attacking force we have on this side. But he did what was asked for him. He backed up that weekend performance. It, that could have been a one-off. It wasn't. Deserves to make it three games, uh, three games in a row for me. He gets a, he, he gets an eight. Yeah. Now the, the, the question that I was going to ask, I actually asked earlier, which was had come from um, 
uh, from Scott uh, about whether we drop him drop him or not. Um, yeah, I think he's given Enzo a superb headache. Like I say, it's only two games, but <laughs> well, he can't he can't do more than he's done. Let's just see. Let's see if he's given the chance. Inacho, I've said many times, not scored in six. Vardy, I don't think he's scored in five. The only striker that's scoring goals, or is the only striker that's playing, I guess. Uh, let's see. I hope he's given the chance, and I hope he's not just dropped uh, against Birmingham. Um, although I have a feeling we might see Vardy back, but if he's fit. But um, I kind of hope that 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 that, Dakar, that, that you know he's going to be picked because I'd hate for him to say, "Well, yeah, there we go, drop you." And uh, thank you very much. Uh, right onto the substitutes. Um, and James Justin, I'll unmute you. There we go. James Justin came on, and and you know I think he helped. Uh, I think we see that without some a natural left back of uh, at least someone of James Justin's quality over on that side, it does disrupt our left hand side link. Um, and when he came on, okay, the game had already turned around in Leicester's favour by that point. But it was necessary. It was necessary to restructure. We didn't need to gun gun ho because all of a sudden we were the team with the impetus. We were the team that went in the game. Millwall were going to come at us. And that, because we forced Millwall's hand, that in turn allowed us to play more direct and attacking football, which we did. And when Justin came on, Mavadidi was more involved in the game. Yeah, you know, FaZe was a little bit hesitant to pass to him. Uh, because he probably thought if I mess up this pass, it's gonna, it's gonna get you know Mavadidi's gonna get annoyed and I'm gonna give the ball away. So you know Mavadidi, you know was probably very thrilled to see Justin come on because he gets forward and he plays the ball into him and he 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 frees up space for Mavadidi to go and create. So for a substitute appearance, I'm I'm gonna give him an eight, Chris, because I think it was actually a vital substitution and perfectly timed for Menzo to to to, to put it on just at that point when Leicester had the initiative and, and, and you get a bit of panic. Huh. Mm. Didn't really do a lot. Now, should I be saying that? Should I be saying that with didn't do a lot best of guard, but hasn't been dropped since? Should I be saying that with hasn't played a lot of football, gone scored two goals, got an assist, Dakar? I'm going to hold fire. I'm not going to judge him too quickly. Yeah, I see there. Uh, I'm not going to judge him too harshly on his 60 minutes collective football because we've said it about Ian Acho at times, we've said it about Vardy at the start of his career, and we're saying it now about Dakar. You've got to allow some players to get minutes under the, under the belt. You've got to give them a run in the team to get settled, and you're not going to do that with 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, and it's just not natural. Having said that, the only thing I remember him doing of note was having a shot that was blocked that then fell to Ricardo for him to score the third and what turned out to be vital third goal. Off indeed. Off indeed, yeah, but we don't let indeed know that. It's just, it's not, it's, yeah. But still, he hasn't yet had the real proper chance that he needs because what you could argue is, yes, Dak has been out in the cold but he has had runs in this team and shown his capabilities this is tom cannon's first showing to leicester fans what he's capable of still undecisive 
Still need to see more of him. Uh, I think that comes from coming off the bench. I agree with certain points with Dakar and Inacho, especially going. I think you're going to have to see more of Tom Cannon as well. Um, so that's maybe where the, 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 seeing what he's actually capable of doing is going to become more obvious to us Leicester fans. Of his 30 perfect 30 minute performance, I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a six. Yeah, that's that's fair. And finally, finally. The Rock has come back to no, it's wrong, wrong, wrong show, Brad. Wrong show. Dennis Pratt has come back from injury and has actually managed to do something that seems a miracle to him these days, which is come back fully fit and stay fit for, after two appearances. Saying that, no, my look, Enzo announced that he's injured for Monday's game, but it was pleasing to see. We're going to need this whole entire squad at this season. More obvious over this period for obvious reasons. We're going to need it. Um, there's, there's, he's versatile, so he's very valuable to the squad at the moment. Good to see him get through some more minutes. Good to see him come out of it unscathed. Um, hopefully over the next few games we'll see more and more of him, and we'll we'll see what he's able to offer and how creative he can be. Because we have seen that in sporadic time, we've seen him play, but again. Didn't really do too much on to what I remember from when he did come on, so he gets a six. He wasn't on overly long in fairness. No, no, no. There we go. That is it. Thank you very much, Brad, for this show. Um, Tuesday, probably next week, when we'll be doing it. Um, hopefully, we'll be talking about uh, a non loyalist win for Leicester City. Um, but uh, we will be back in one hour, 15 minutes. I'm gonna have to go and rush because I want to get ready that I'm not eating today. Uh, for the preview of that said game, and then after that, I've got a Birmingham uh one. I'm going back onto their channel, so uh, I might pop in just as we leave. Hello, Mike, how you doing, mate? Uh, uh welcome along, Brad. Thank you so very much, mate. Yeah, it's been a pleasure as always. I like to, um, I like to discuss these shows in this sort of manner afterwards. I enjoy having a little ta tactical segment as well. It's all fun all around. You, 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 well, if you've got a tactical segment, then you know your week's been worth it. Exactly, mate. Exactly. I may or may not see you tomorrow night for the pictures. I've had two turned down, so I might be as open your dad breaks his leg or something. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. All the best, mate. I'll speak to you soon. See you later. Uh, take, take care. Bye-bye. Well, I could see if Mike wants to come. Mike, are you free tomorrow at 7? I need a co-host for the prediction show. If you are free, mate, let me know. Um, but look, thanks to Brad. As always, knows what he's talking about with these uh, tactics show. Like I said, I will see you back in... Um, one hour 15 minutes exactly just about got time for a poo and uh we'll be back we'll be being joined by uh, a birmingham fan and of course craig who allegedly is a leicester fan i think that's what he told me once uh it's been great thanks very much guys i will see you then take care bye bye now hi this is chris from leicester till i die thank you for watching and listening have a very merry christmas and happy new year don't do anything i wouldn't enjoy
Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You'd better like them too or I'll be back. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order at delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.